Where the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty and there's freedom. You know, one way that the Lord liberates us and frees us up is in our ability to worship Him. Really to bypass our understanding and to worship Him right out of here. Right out of the core of your being, right out of your heart. Amen? Out of your spirit. This is where the praises and the worship from the Lord comes from. Now, if you did a study in the book of Acts, you would see that in one case, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says uh, they heard them praise the Lord and magnify God. And they were magnifying him in the spirit and in other tongues. Now, this is a spirit filled church, but I think sometimes it's worthwhile to explain what's happening when we speak in other tongues as a corporate body. We're magnifying the Lord out of our spirit, out of worship. Those tongues don't necessarily need to be interpreted because we're just lifting up one voice to God out of our hearts, whether it be in English or whether it be in other tongues. But I have this sense today that there is a liberation, there is a freedom available to those that may have not yet received the infilling of the Holy Spirit or for those of you that might just kind of... Um, have spoken a little bit, but God, I believe today, wants all of us to have a fresh feeling, a fresh infilling. So when I say receive the Holy Spirit as a corporate body, I want you all to just take a deep breath, amen, and receive a fresh dose, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you've never spoken other tongues, just say, I believe I receive. Woo, hallelujah. You know, the Bible instructs us. Not just to be filled with the Holy Spirit once, but be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, lift up your hands just for another 10 or 20 seconds or so. Oh, we receive. Yes, Lord, we receive, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now what I want us to do, I want us to practice the presence of the Lord. And let's just be still in His presence for about 30 seconds or so. Let's just look to the one who lives on the inside of us. Lord, we, we just love you. Be still and know that He is God in this place today. Now, Lord, we approach your word this morning humbly. We approach it reverently. We approach it with a sense of, of awe. Speak to our hearts through your word. Give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Holy Spirit, you're free to move in this place this day. And we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. And I'd like for you, if you would, this morning to open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and then pick it up in verse 9. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you haven't read out of the New Living Translation, it's a great translation. I mostly preach out of the King James Version. Brenda speaks mostly out of the New King James Version. But now notice with me in verse 1 in this New Living Translation of Roman 4, Abraham was humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about mean, being made right with God? 
If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, in verse 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Aren't you glad he does? Now, look with me at verse 9, and we'll, I'm going to read right on through verse 12. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he, was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Verse 11. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not yet been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now I want you to notice with me particularly a verse in verse 12, and I want to pull that one up in the King James Version. We're going to see something here today about our spiritual father, Father Abraham. In verse 12 of the King James, it says, And the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, read the rest with me, but also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. So when I talk about the spiritual father of our faith, we know that Abraham got his faith from the heavenly father, the God kind, the father kind of faith, if you will. But when we talk about this and the father of faith, oftentimes people begin to think of the faith movement. What we're really emphasizing here is the lifestyle of living by faith. Amen? And so many times people's minds go back to when they think of uh, the movement of faith or the father of faith, they think of folks like Brother Hagin. Or they think of people like Smith Wigglesworth. Or they think of people like Martin Luther. But, you know, if you're going to really look at the God kind, the God quality of faith, you've got to go way back to God, but also you've got to go way back to Abraham. Because Abraham is the father of faith to all of those who operate, live by, talk by, walk by, and overcome by faith. Amen. You see, living outside of the realm of faith is absolutely foreign to your spiritual DNA. 
You were created in Christ Jesus. God made you to live by trust. God made you to live your life by faith. And Abraham is the father of faith to all them that believe. And I'm looking at a congregation of believers today. How many of you remember that song as a Sunday school kid? Father Abraham (laughs) had many sons. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, the faith of God, the faith of Abraham has been given to you at the new birth. The scripture says he's dealt to everyone the measure of mountain moving faith. Amen. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to this phrase, who walk in the steps of Abraham. Now, what steps reveal to me? Steps don't reveal leaps, but steps of faith reveal a progressive lifestyle where we start operating in faith at the new birth, But we do not stop exercising our faith. Every day we take progressive steps of faith like Abraham took steps of faith. And it gets us on the right path and keeps us on the right path to the will and to the plan that God has foreordained for each and every one of us. Amen. So you start walking by faith, and then as you follow the path that God has made for you, and you learn to live by faith, and you please God by faith, every step of faith that you take, it develops you. It develops you. Now, we've been talking about being spiritually fit the last several weeks, and we've been talking about how that spiritual fitness is a must for you and I as believers because it is the strong spirit of a man that is going to sustain him when trouble knocks on our door. Amen? And so these steps of faith, they're specific times and specific situations you have Or we could say it this way, there are opportunities that you and I have to believe God and to trust God. Has anyone ever had a golden opportunity to trust the Lord? We all have ample opportunities to develop our faith. Years ago, a man of God that worked with the four square denomination said this, Roy Hicks, he says, faith, use it or lose it. Now, we don't really lose it, but the faith of God, this faith can remain dormant in our lives. I want to encourage you to take the steps that God has ordained for you to take. As you take those steps of faith, you will get stronger, you will be more developed, and you will discover that as you please God on your path of being a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you will find that God has more and more and more and greater and greater 
and marvelous things for you on this road. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you will believe God, and if you will overcome whatever you might be facing, and if you will receive from God, then through that you develop, and then that prepares you for the next step so that you can go further with God. And I believe I'm looking at a group of people that want to go all the way with the Lord. Say with me, I'm going all the way, living by faith, till I make it to the finish line. And so it is to be progressive, is what I want you to see. Living by faith is to be progressive, just like Abraham lived by faith. Let's not make this lifestyle of faith about leaps, let's make it about steps. Now, did you know this, that just hearing about faith doesn't develop your faith? Just hearing about faith does not develop your faith. Hearing about faith causes what to happen. Hearing about faith and hearing about the Word of God causes faith to do what? To come. In Romans 10:17 he said this. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. By hearing. Did you notice he didn't say that faith comes by having heard? No. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or by the word of the Christ. So If you want faith to come, and faith hasn't come yet, how are you going to get faith to come in your life? I am going to get faith to come in my life by hearing the Word. Now, let's just say, for example, you needed healing in your body, and you don't have any faith for healing. Where are you going to get faith for healing? Faith for healing is going to come the same way that faith for salvation came. See, at one point, we all heard the word of salvation. Uh Do you remember when you got born again? You know, someone may have given you Romans Road (laughs) and gone through the scriptures and told you about how that Christ died for the ungodly. And you qualified, didn't you? We all qualified. So when you heard the gospel, faith came. Let me ask you a question. If you are a person that has been beat up in life by fear and anxieties and by the cares of this life, and those things, I mean, they're just weighing you down. To the point where you can't even seem to have a good day. You might have spurts during the day of feeling okay. But the pressures of life 
and the cares of this life have weighed you down to the degree that, quite frankly, sometimes you don't know whether you can make it to the day. The question I have for you is, where, does, where do you get information that will lift you out of fear into faith? Where do you get information that will lift you out of anxiety into the peace of God that passes understanding? You get that information by the Word. So I suggest to you strongly, instead of sitting idly by in your walk with God and twiddling your thumbs and being on the phone and talking about what's wrong, why don't you consider going to the Word and consider Jesus and what's right? You see, there's a whole lot more right in your life that's wrong in your life. If you meditate on the good Word which is right in your life, faith will come and you'll be able to get to a place where it will remove the wrong from your life. It is... The law of displacement. The question I have for you this morning is what are you full of? What are you full of? You see, the will of God for me and the will of God for you is to be not only filled with the Holy Spirit, but filled with the Word of God. So then, if I am in a real battle financially and I need so much a month for my budget naturally speaking and if we need so much a month for the budget of the church it doesn't do us any good to have a board meeting and to look at one another and say my lord what are we going to do what are we going to do it's summertime. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. See, a lot of people have the summertime blues. But you see, they talk themselves out of the peace of God into the summertime blues and into the summertime slumps. And you can do that as a church corporately, and you can do that in your own budget individually. We are running out of money before the end of the month. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You ever heard those intrusive thoughts by the enemy? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? So how then do we displace the battles that come to our soul? How do we displace those things that lie to us and to try to bring us down. We displace them with hearing the Word of God so that faith can come and meditating on the Scriptures that promise us that He always meets our need. Come on, say it with me. He always meets my need. And He does it according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, whether it be prosperity, whether it be health and healing, whether it be peace of mind, faith will come by hearing. Let's pull that scripture up. See, I can't go any further in this message, and I'm loaded for bear. I got a big pot here. I mean, it's big, and it's deep. 
But we can't get past the surface unless you get on board. Say with me, I'm on board. So let's look at the scripture again. Read it with me. So then, faith cometh by hearing. So that's the first step in your walk with God. Is to hear the word of God. But your faith is not developed by hearing alone. We must be doers of what we have heard and actually exercise our trust in what we've heard and literally walk out what we've heard by trust and by faith. How many of you have heard of the scripture that says, but be doers of the word? Look at James chapter 1 and notice with me in verse 22. James, the first chapter in the 22nd verse. So, say it with me, we're walking in the steps of our spiritual father. Steps of faith of Father Abraham. Now, notice verse 22. Let's read this together. It says, but be ye doers of the word. Stop right there. Notice it doesn't say, but be ye triers of the word. Right? I've heard people throughout the years say, well, I, I've tried this and I've tried that and it doesn't work. Trying the word gets no results. You must be committed to the word. But be rejoicers of the word. Whew, I come to church and I get so happy. And you know, you ought to get happy when you come to church. You ought to sense the presence of God when you come to church. But your Christian experience cannot be within these walls alone. Somehow, Christianity's got to go outside of these walls into your car, into your home, into the marketplace, into whatever you may face in life. Rejoicing about the word is good, but the Bible says, be ye doers. Be doers of the word. In other words, faith is acting on what you believe. If, in fact, Jesus says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. If, in fact, and he did say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you hear that, but don't do that, it won't do you any good. So how does one do what the scripture says? You act like you're full of the peace of God. In other words, you stop talking about all of your fears. You put an end to talking about what you're worried about. Because in fact, if you have cast all your cares upon him, he has them and you don't have them. Therefore, the confession of a doer of the word that has heard the word, is, I'm carefree. I don't, on June 22nd, 2015, on this Father's Day, I don't have a care. Why? Because I'm under a greater care. I'm under the Father's care. Hallelujah. I'm under the Father's care. 
Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Thank you for ministering to your people today, Lord. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. This is awesome. Casting. You know what casting is, don't you? Casting is throwing. It's what you do with your cat that comes and jumps in your chest during a nap time. You take that kitty cat and you cast it. Well, I do. You don't. Okay, let's look for a better illustration. What do you do when a thief comes to your door in the middle of the night and breaks through the door? What do you do? Come on in. Let's talk about it. No, you cast the thief out. Is that better? Well, there is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, who walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Cast out that thief out of your soul. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is peace I give unto you. My peace I give you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You are the understood subject of that sentence. You are the one that has authority to take dominion over your mind. Say it with me real strong. My mind is my mind. And my mind has no place for fears, concerns, or worries. My mind. Therefore, I cast all those imaginations down, and then I cast all of my cares once and for all upon Him. Now, look at First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Notice this with me: casting all of. Well, I can handle the big ones. No. No. All is an all-inclusive word. All in the Greek. You ready for a heavy revy? All in the Greek means every. So cast every care upon him. Now notice the rest of the verse. For he, this is talking about your heavenly father. For he does what? He cares for you. Now, it's very interesting in this verse, there are two words that contain the word care. The first part is your cares. That's the bad kind of care. That's the kind of care that the scripture talks about. The cares of this life enter in, and what do they do? They choke the word. They choke the word. That is the wrong kind of care. So cast all of those things that are choking the life out of you. Now we can do that because why? Because my father cares for me. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I want you to get this. That your father loves you. And that your heavenly father cares for you. You are under the father's care when you cast your cares upon him i'm telling you there's no greater care in all the world than the father's care 
Now, maybe you have health insurance or life insurance, and there are some really, really good health insurance policies out there. There's some really, really good MDs out there. And we could say, man, I've had just had tremendous care from Kaiser. I've had tremendous care from Sequoia. It's wonderful to have the good kind of health insurance and a good doctor, is it not? But I submit to you today, we've got the greatest physician of all. And his name is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that healeth thee. He is the one that watches over your soul. Hallelujah. Now this is going in a complete different direction than what I intended. But how many of you just want the Spirit of God to speak to you today? So I'm casting all my care upon him. I've heard the word. Now I'm going to do that. I'm going to conduct my life in a manner which is worthy of trust and worthy of faith that pleases God. Therefore, I cannot, I must not call Tony up on the phone and say, Tony, the offering was low yesterday. (laughs) What are we going to do? I can't call up George over there and say, George, I know I'm healed, but I went to the doctor yesterday and they said this. Now, you might have a real challenge. We don't minimize the fact that we have tests. We don't minimize the fact fact that we have challenges. What we maximize is the victory that overcomes the world, that overcomes the debt, that overcomes the care, that overcomes the disease. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our trust. Listen, friend, if you will just put your life in the hands of the most capable person in the entire universe, your heavenly Father, and you will simply trust Him. You may go through the valley of the shadow of death. The storms may rise on the boat of your life, but by God's grace, you're going to make it to the other side. Because the Prince of Peace, the same one who rose up in the hinder part of the ship and said, Peace, be still is living on the inside of you. I tell you, he's living on the inside of you. And listen, he's authorized you to rise up in the name of Jesus and speak to those things in your life that are trying to rob you of peace and rob you of joy. In the midst of a test, you can rise up in the name of Jesus. You can apply the blood of Jesus and you can declare, my father cares for me. Therefore, devil, I speak to you and I declare to my life, peace. Peace be still. God doesn't want you to be tossing and turning all night. He doesn't want you to have the cares of the economy on your shoulders. He doesn't want you to have the cares of who's going to be the next president. I mean, take your pick. It's multiple choice. He doesn't want you to, to carry the, the cares of the democracy of this government upon your shoulders. He wants you to pray. He wants you to do your due diligence. But you know you can pray in fear? God wants us to pray in faith. Why is that? Because the government, come on now, the government is upon whose shoulder? 
The government is upon his shoulder. And your life is in the hands of the master. Hallelujah. The one who said, let there be light, lives in you. The one who created the entire universe lives in you. So let's look at this again. Read verse 7 with me. Go ahead. Ready? Read. Casting all your care. Hallelujah. My father cares for me. My father cares for me. Ooh, the kingdom of God. The kingdom that we are in is not a kingdom of condemnation. It's not a kingdom of sorrow and despair. This kingdom that we're in is not a kingdom of fear and doubt and worry. But the kingdom that you have been brought into, that kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of peace. And it's a kingdom of joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, aren't you glad? You see, once we were in darkness, but now the Father, give thanks to the Father. (laughs) Give thanks. Come on, lift up your hand. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Give thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father on Father's Day. Give thanks to the Father who has delivered us. He's delivered us. He's delivered us. Don't you know that if he delivered you from such great darkness out of Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom, he can take care of your head. He can take care of your knee. He can take care of your pocketbook. He can take care of your rebellious babies. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Thank you, Father. The more you will give thanks to the Father, the more you will position yourself for a greater lifestyle of abundance and a greater lifestyle of the things that he has bought and paid for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this verse in 12 and 13. Let's read it together. What do you say? Ready, read. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now stop right there. Is not peace a part of your inheritance? Is not joy a part of our inheritance? I don't feel peaceful. I feel no joy. Thank God for it anyway. And you'll find that praise always precedes the victory. (laughs) Say it with me. Praise and thanksgiving will always precede, will always go before the victory that's mine. Give thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father. Thank Him ahead of time. Be like the lepers that Jesus told to go show themselves to the priest. Be like them. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. 
And when they, the one came back, and he gave thanks to God for all that he had done, and the Lord made him whole. Now notice in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Let's read this one together. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us. Now I want you to notice this is something that he's already done. I don't need to be delivered from drug addiction. I've already been delivered. Amen? You don't need to be delivered from smoking cigarettes. You've already been delivered. Somebody says, yeah, but I'm still smoking cigarettes. That doesn't matter. Your deliverance is bought and paid for. All you've got to do is get some faith in your heart, lay the cigarettes aside, and be a doer of God's Word, and you'll walk in the reality of that freedom. You've already been delivered from obesity. Yeah, but I, I, there's still a, still a problem that's raging in my life. No problem. The deliverance has already been bought and paid for. All you've got to do is hear some scriptures, act on the scriptures, and lay aside the weights, and lay aside the things that have been weighing you down, and get a new lease on life. Get a new lease on life. And rise up and walk in your freedom. Whether it be obesity, pornography, cigarette smoking, the worry habit, whatever the case may be, your freedom, your deliverance has already taken place. Say it with me. My freedom and my deliverance has already taken place. Say it with me. 2,000 years ago, on Calvary's cross, Jesus became sin for me. He became what I've been struggling with. It's called the great exchange. He took it so that you might not have to take it. He bore it so that you may not have to bear it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 2, 24, 25. Let this dwell in you this week. You're already delivered. Say with me, I am a child of God. I am an heir of God. And I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now it says here in verse 24, who his own self bare sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Read the last part of that. So I'm not fighting to get my healing. My healing has already been bought and paid for. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, there may be symptoms in my body. There may be symptoms in your body. That doesn't matter. We are not trying to get something that he already bore for us. It's a matter of faith coming. Come on. It's a matter of faith coming. Hearing the word and then doing the word and then walking in it. Amen? Well, I just need somebody to lay hands on me. You may and that's fine and we'll do it. I, you know, people go for years and years and years looking for some super duper evangelist. Our super duper hot shot miracle worker. They call every prayer line. They're in every prayer line. 
They're seeking and they're looking for healing. Listen, the healing's already bought and paid for, and the healer lives on the inside of you. I said the healer lives on the inside of you, and he's still making house calls. Because you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And since the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he's going to quicken your mortal body. So listen, I think what we need to do is spend more time hearing the Word and doing the Word rather than trying to figure out how we're going to get something He already got for us. Look at verse 25, and I'll close with this. I got through about half a page of notes of about eight pages, but that's all right. Verse 25. Let's read it together. Come on, guys. For you are as sheep gone astray. Were you like that? But are now returned unto the shepherd. Here's what I want to close with. He's the great shepherd. He gave his life for the sheep. And the word bishop means overseer or superintendent. Oversee. And so... He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the bishop of our souls, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our life. And he is watching over your soul. We could say it this with me. When we cast our care on him, it's because he cares so much for us that 24-7 he's looking after you. And he's looking after me. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet.